Lord, teach us how to pray. So I was sitting with, with the gospel for this week. Um, I was kind of taken back to when I was at Nichols. That question, Lord, teach us how to pray, was kind of what started off my own uh, journey of, of developing my relationship with the Lord. When I was here, there was a group of missionaries who their whole mission was to teach people how to pray. They were doing campus ministry. Um, and there was something about them that I saw. It was, it was like a, it was a joy that, that I saw they had. There was a peace, a freedom that they had about them. And I knew that, that I wanted that and that I didn't have that. Their whole, and so I started talking to them more. And just through their example, through their teaching, I'm just kind of learning more and more what, are, what, what prayer looks like. Um, just that, that whatever they had inspired me to ask that question. And I imagine that the disciples of Jesus must have had a similar experience watching him pray. Just imagining that, you know, seeing Jesus pray, I would imagine that his, his relationship with the Father was evident. That when you see him in prayer, you would say, that man is, is in communion with the Lord right now. And so the disciples, seeing that, wanted that. And so they asked, Lord, Lord, teach us how to, how to pray like that. And the premise behind that question, and the premise behind that answer, is that prayer is, is 100% absolutely, unquestionably necessary if the faith of Christianity is going to mean anything or make sense in any kind of way in our lives. Um, if, if it's like any other kind of relationship that if we don't nourish it, then it just it doesn't mean anything. It, it falls away. If we have a plant and you don't water the plant, the plant is going to die. If you have a pet dog or something and you don't feed your pet dog for a month, probably not going to have a pet dog at the end of the month. But if there's any kind of relationship, if you don't, you know, foster that relationship with authentic, honest communication, that relationship is, is going to, it's not going to grow. It's going to kind of stagnate and eventually fade away. And our relationship with the Lord is no different than that. That if we don't nourish it and constantly provide what, provide the nourishment that it needs, then it's going to fade away. And Jesus offers us prayer as the way to, to so to speak, water the relationship to nourish that relationship such that it, it, it impacts us. It, it makes a change in our lives and brings us into real communion with him. So the disciples, I think, implicitly know this, and so they say, Lord, we want this. We recognize that we need this, so help us. Teach us how to do that. So this gospel is Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray, how to nourish that relationship with the Lord. So it's important for us, I think, to, to pay attention to what Jesus lists up so that we can take that and implement that in our own lives because we know that we need the same thing. We need to foster that relationship. And the very first thing that Jesus tells his disciples, I think one of the most foundational and probably sometimes one of the most difficult truths that we have to, to really accept. And the very first word, the first thing that Jesus tells his disciples to pray is he tells them to say, Father. Because if we're ever going to hope to maintain a life of prayer, if we're ever going to hope to make this consistent throughout our lives, then we have to believe that prayer actually does something. We have to believe that it makes a difference. We have to believe that there's someone on the other side who hears our prayers and who's always working for our own good, which is actually like a, a very difficult thing to believe. If you notice in Mass, right before we say the Our Father every time, the priest, he always says, at the Savior's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say. We dare to call God our Father. It's not this light thing that we do. It's actually a difficult, courageous claim to make that God is our Father. 
And that has to be the, at the foundation, to believe that prayer is not just us talking to ourselves, that we're not just trapped in this unchangeable reality, that there's no point in praying, but to believe that through everything that there is a, a good Father who's on the other side, acting and working, and who is constantly influencing the things that we do in our own life, and who's constantly living and active in that. That truth of, of God as our Father has to be foundational if we're ever going to hope to continue this, this relationship and allow it to foster and develop. The next thing Jesus does, and he talks about the story of this, this apparently unprepared neighbor who probably, if, if we knew him, would have been kind of annoying. Um, just kind of put yourself in that scenario of you had a long day of work, you're, you're, everything's in bed, you're, you're in bed, you're about to go to sleep, the lights are off, covers are on, the room cycles is about to, to take over, and then just as you're in that limbo stage of about to fall asleep, it's a knock at the door. So you're going to ignore that because obviously you're going to bed. The doorbell starts ringing, the phone starts vibrating, your next door neighbor. Apparently he had a friend who came in late at night, he doesn't have anything to give him, so he's coming to your house to ask for food which is the most logical thing you would do. And so your logical answer would be, go away. Like, I'm trying to go to bed. Go get food somewhere else. Um, and so you try to ignore him, but he keeps knocking. He keeps ringing the doorbell. He keeps texting. He keeps calling. He won't leave you alone. And so at the end of this, one of two things is going to happen. Either you're going to kill him, or the more virtuous option would be to just give him whatever he wants so that he can just get him away and, and get on with the, with the sleep that you're trying to have. Um, and so the point that Jesus is trying to make here is that if even if, if in that situation, just to get him away, you're going to give the guy whatever he wants, how much more is that good father going to give you what you ask for as soon as you ask for it? It's almost like he, he'd be in that scenario, he'd be waiting for the doorbell to ring just so that he could open the door and provide you with exactly what you needed at that moment. And the text says that it's because of that man's persistence that, that he, he got what he needed. That there's a consistency about, about what he was doing, a consistency about that relationship. We see that clearly in the first reading with Abraham. He kept pressing God again and again and again and again, and he never gave up. He continued to, to ask God for, for what he wanted. And we see with Abraham not only the consistency and the persistence, but you can also tell that there's a humility. There's a humble persistence. Like he knows that God is God and he knows that he is not. And so that humble persistence continues to remind us that when it comes down to it, that we're not the source of our own happiness. We're not the foundation of our own security. That we have to rely on another. That the invitation is not to rely on ourselves, but on that good father who Jesus puts as the foundation. We rely on him and we continually remind ourselves on that again and again and again through that prayer. The original language, the Greek of the, that the New Testament was written in, that word persistence kind of has another meaning. It's almost like a like a shamelessness, like I, there's no no respect or no care for the proper etiquette or for the proper way that things are supposed to be. And so you kind of see that in this guy who, in, in what world is it okay for you to go knock on your neighbor's door at the middle of the night to ask for food that you apparently don't have for your friend? Like, this doesn't make any, no, that wouldn't just be okay. The invitation that Jesus is offering to us here, so I think that when we pray, a lot of times we think that we have to talk to God in a certain way. 
that our relationship with God, we have to speak to God in this way and use these words and kind of, it kind of supposed to fit this nice structure and make everything nice and pretty to present it to the Lord. And what Jesus is telling us here is to ignore all of that. To take the mask off and to just be honest and authentic with where you're at. My spiritual director at the seminary had a saying. He said, pray as you are, not as you're not. When you come before the Lord, don't pretend that everything's okay when everything's not okay. That if you're angry at whatever's going on with your life, then be angry before the Lord. Tell the Lord that. That if you're scared or upset, then be scared or upset before the Lord. If you're grateful and happy, be grateful and happy before the Lord. That he wants more than anything is just to, to hear our, the authentic desires of our heart of where we're at right now. Not because he doesn't already know them or because he needs to hear it, but because that opening of our hearts like that allows them to enter in. And that's how that relationship fosters through this honest, authentic, blunt, just sharing with the Lord about what's going on in our lives. Maybe it's that we don't feel worthy to pray that way just because of, of things we've done, whatever the situation is, the feelings that we have, we don't feel worthy to approach the Lord in prayer. And that would be exactly what the devil would want us to do, to stop us from approaching. Because there's nothing, absolutely nothing, that stops us from maintaining that relationship. That, that There's nothing that we can't bring to the Lord in our own prayer. He desires everything for us, which is difficult. It's difficult to bring everything honestly before somebody else. And that's where that boldness comes in. That's where we dare to speak to God as our Father and to trust that with whatever we bring to Him, that he's gonna, he, he lives and acts and works in that, in our lives, and makes a difference. What Jesus finishes off with is the well-known saying of prayer that we probably all heard, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. To which we might reply, yeah, right. I feel like I've asked for plenty of things that I haven't received. I feel like I've been knocking at the door for, for years that just seems to stay locked and never opens up. So what gives? What, what is Jesus trying to get at here? I think what he's doing is challenging our own perspective on prayer and challenging our perspective of God. That prayer is primarily not about asking for things. It's not to get things, but rather to get to know someone, to get to know a person. The focus of prayer isn't like a genie in a bottle who, who grants us our wishes as we want it, but rather it's about the relationship. It's about getting to know this person. That when it comes down to it, we think we know what we want and when we want it because we, we, we've got everything figured out. But a Christian, the essence of a Christian is someone who follows Christ, someone who follows another, who relies not, not on themselves, but seeks to know the person of Jesus above, above all else. And so when Jesus says, ask, receive, knock, he's, as soon as we ask for that relationship, as soon as we seek out that relationship with the Lord through persistence, through our consistency, through our shamelessness before God, trusting that he is our good father who's caring for us every step of the way, as soon as we seek that out, he's ready to give it to us at a moment's notice. And it's a truth that's constantly evolving. There's never an end to that. And, so when, and, that, and as that relationship begins to develop and blossom in our own lives, that's where that unmistakable freedom comes in. A freedom that I think we all desire when it comes down to it. This freedom of trusting 
that no matter what happens, I know that I'm in the hands of someone who's working for my good in all things, and someone who's never going to abandon me, someone who's never going to leave, and someone who can never kind of be you know, outsmarted by whatever I seem to throw at them. The trust that, that I'm, I'm safe in that, in that presence. That's the relationship, and that's the gift that Jesus wants to give us and desires, desires us to, to seek out. That's what he's asking for. I want to close the homily with a question that I think should be implicit in every homily to make it explicit today. So now what? We've heard the Lord speak to us through the scriptures. We've, we've heard the reflections and, and God's placed something on our hearts. So now what are you going to do about it? How is our lives going to be different so that what we hear today doesn't stop at that door when we walk out? What's going to be different? That time, that time of silence between the, the homily and the creed, it's a perfect opportunity to always ask ourselves that question. Now what? What am I going to do now to respond to the invitation that Jesus has placed on my heart today? It's going to be different so that I can seek out that relationship that he desires to give me.